welcome to Doc Student 101, a podcast where we discuss the necessary skills and unique challenges of doctoral education with your hosts, Dr. Lania Rademacher, Dr. Peter Williams, and Dr. Scott Self. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to get another episode published, but if you're a frequent listener, you may have picked up that we actually record these episodes much earlier than they are published. But after we recorded last week, we agreed to move this episode and the one that will follow up in the queue. We asked Natalia Assis and Alia Amar to join us for a discussion and ask them to think about what they wish they'd known when they started their doc programs. Dr. Assis and Dr. Amar have just recently completed their doctoral journeys, and we ended up talking for an hour and a half. So we've broken that conversation down into two episodes. In this episode, Natalia and Alia describe some of the shock and trauma they experienced in their programs. Hey, Peter. Hey, Linnea. Hi, Scott. Hi, Peter. <laughs> I'm so glad to talk to you guys again. Yeah. Um, we're joined by guests. We're, guests. we're joined by Natalia and by Alia. So, uh, Natalia, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us, um, when did you finish your degree and, sure. uh, and where and how long ago? Yes. So, I just finished my degree on May 30th. Okay. And it's being five and a half years and I'm in Texas and in commerce. Um, I'm from Brazil. So I came to America a long time ago as a volleyball player. I was an athlete and then they're like, oh my God, I can do this too. So then like, oh, you should do this school thing because you're very smart. I'm like, oh my God, I am. <laughs> and here in America, you can get scholarships. So then I was like, oh, I, I think that works. And uh, so, yes, I'm from Brazil. I am uh, 33 now, just finishing my PhD in educational psychology in Texas. Awesome. So uh, May 30th, that we're, we're recording June 9th. So you're what, nine, 10 days old? Yes. That's like, awesome. Alia, introduce yourself. Uh, so my name is Alia. Um, I defended my dissertation um, at Drexel University in December, but I had to take some uh, extra time for my edits because I'd had multiple surgeries before my dissertation, mm -hmm. uh, like in the, in the three weeks before my dissertation. So I technically finished in March. Um, and today is actually our school commencement that I'm not attending. And then the day after tomorrow is our university commencement that I'm also not attending. Um, I'm originally from Egypt. I was recruited into the PhD program when I was attending um, a conference in Oxford, England, where I was presenting my master's thesis. And then there were three faculty members from Drexel who were there who, by just like a fluke, were able to attend my dissertation because of some scheduling mess up and then recruited me into the program. So why were we so excited to have uh, Natalia and Alia join us today? It's because we're going to talk a little bit about what do you wish you knew about the doc program when you started, things that we discover while we're in the doc program and kind of demystify those for other people who um, are in the doc program and might want somebody to commiserate with them on what they're experiencing or what they're discovering. Um, so let's kind of start from there. What do you wish you knew when you started your doc program? I wish I knew that everyone lies extensively because they think it's a, it's a competition when it's not. That's kind of what I wish I knew. 
Ooh, that's yeah. discouraging. I, I, I don't, I, I understand what you're saying about the lies and stuff, but I do see the competition as one of the major things. And um, I did went through this and I was just yesterday talking to Peter about this. And I, I think that is also very culture, right? Because it is an individualistic culture. So naturally you're going to have the tendency to have more competition or one-on-one competition. And I was very surprised by this also, because in Brazil, it would be more like a group thing, even though here we have cohorts, it's just a bit different. So I understand where you're coming from. So this is what threw me off the most. I went to an American school in Egypt. I went to an American university in Egypt. So I'm very familiar with that competitive culture, right? Where it threw me off was when it came out in group work and people would lock people out of the document we're all working in to make it look like they didn't do the work, right? Mm -hmm. Like things like that, like you you guys, you're adults, like we're not in middle school. What are you doing? That's what threw me off. so interesting, Peter and Scott. That's so interesting because we've talked about this, how we want the students to help each other. um, And we want it to be this group culture. It's very interesting to hear this from the student side that this occurs. Mm -hmm. And and this is interesting that you mentioned that because we did have a situation throughout the years in which uh, two students had done like a paper together, but it wasn't the same paper. But like the ideas were, I guess, but they did it together. Like they sat together and said, all right, let's do this. And it was like a, what is it? A response to a post. And they got in trouble. And then they were able to get some professors on their side because they said some professors were defending that. You know, obviously there is plagiarism. It wasn't like a paper, actually. And like I said, it was like a response to a post. So we are supposed to talk about those things. And I'm not even defending one side or the other because I don't remember the details, but I do remember the talks being uh, we want you guys to work together, so I'm not going to punish you for this one. But obviously, we have to think about plagiarism, too. So uh, another thing I was going to mention is that I, I think I've been noticing also it could be a, a generational thing. Um, because yesterday when I was talking to Peter about these things, it was also that I have been encountering people that I feel like I cannot trust throughout the years, mostly college during college while I'm in college and um, I have a feeling that older people that I have talked to have had more of this group or or help or or friendship throughout their programs but I could be wrong too. I think it depends on the environment that they've been in and what they've chosen to do. Some people choose to repeat the cycle, other people work really hard to break it but like in terms of like the plagiarism thing that you talked about, I at least respect that you guys were able to have a conversation about plagiarism um a very good and I believe Peter knows the story a very good friend of mine and actually my business partner um as part of a, a class had created um the summer camp uh was able to get funding for it and because she owns her she her husband and a couple of their friends bought a school that like went bankrupt in Pittsburgh and they turned it into um a community center were able to like go to Pittsburgh for that summer and host the camp there that she had created. And she had hired two of our colleagues from school to work on it uh, as teachers. And one of them wrote and published about it without consent from anyone, made up the students' demographics because that wasn't something that they'd collected. And the only person that repeatedly got in trouble for calling this out is my friend the one whose work 
And that girl ended up doing her presentation on that camp, her dissertation on that camp. Mm-hmm. And while there were some differences, they were not substantive enough for that to have been acceptable. Right. Yeah. But I every think, time it was my friend who got in trouble for speaking up. Yeah. I think that one general lesson that we can get from here is that it's not because people are smart or they're getting degrees that they are going to be good mm-hmm. people necessarily. Right. right. So I think that that's could be one of the what would you wish you would know. Right. Because you expect that, like, of course, they're psychologists. They're going to be great. Of course. <laughs> who else? Right. But then it might be that they are not socially ready. This is not just that. It also depends on who as faculty you have backing you up. That's right. Because if the dean is your chair, you get away with things like this. Yeah. So So how did you discover whom you could trust? That's one question I have. I mean, you discovered you can't trust everyone. How did you figure out whom you could trust? Um, I like to observe people. And I start out giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. And like once I see a pattern emerge, I decide to put distance or not. Um, so like out of out of my cohort, we started out as six. Uh, we were five females and one male. Uh, the male dropped out halfway through our first quarter. So it ended up being five females, each from a different ethnic or cultural background. Some people were very good at victimizing themselves and and making things up that didn't happen or assuming that things that had happened or conversations that other people had had were about them. Um, And then you'd find yourself like like getting accosted in the kitchen one day and you're like, whoa, you're crazy. It's like watching things like that happen, whether it was to me or to someone else. Um, yeah. That's kind of listening to how they talk about other people while they're on their good side versus their bad side. And mm-hmm. to me, if look, I don't like most faculty. I generally <laughs> dislike most academics. I regularly tell my my physical therapist to not refer to me as an asshole because I'm in academia, but because I earned it. Right? He's been my physical therapist for four years. I've definitely earned being called that. Like that's two very separate things. Um, but like the thing was. I don't care how much you dislike someone, but if you're in a class and like we've had horrible faculty, like who had no business teaching? Like they don't know. Like if you're in education and you don't know how to teach, we have a problem. But mm-hmm. I also don't believe in in starting a group text in class where you keep referring to that person as the C word because you don't like them. That's very telling about you. Like it's um, just very clearly learn who has integrity and who doesn't. Well, this is a very interesting because I was going to say the other way. Um, for me, it was just getting hurt every single time first, right? So I'm like, I, like you said, I give the benefit of the doubt, but I'm, because of the culture, and I've noticed this, like I was just struggling with this this weekend because it's 13 years that I'm here and I still feel like I'm struggling navigating friendship here, but it's not just here, right? Because it's life. So I'm getting older here too. So I would have certain discoveries in Brazil anyways, but they would probably be based on some other things, right? Because for example, when I go home, I feel like, oh, everybody's like on my neck because they want to know everything, but it's like love. There's those certain things that we have to get used to here. Uh, what I was going to say is I'm having trouble navigating and figuring out who I can trust because certain things that I noticed that in my culture would not have been like, oh, you can do this and you're still friends, you know? Uh, here is different. So I'm like, are we friends or not? And then I let it happen multiple times until I'm like, oh, 
that wasn't a friend. It wasn't a cultural thing, you know, because there is a difference in between not being your friend and being evil. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I can totally I hear what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't see much, um, but I never let anything of that, right, hold me back. And another thing about mentors, for example, who can you trust about um, faculty is the person, for example, Peter is the person right now that I, my mind gravitates to when I have a question, you know, because obviously I feel more except now that, you know, thinking about this, like I feel better when I ask him questions, but it's not like how he tells me what I want to hear. No, I, I want him to cross my whole thing, but it's just the, the touch, right? The way that he does that doesn't make me feel uh, as less than. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a, it goes with the competition too, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't, like, when you and I met last week, we, I think we briefly spoke about how, like, the person that recruited me into the program and was my chair lied to me uh, to protect right. herself. Yeah. Uh, she had told, like, I had, she had messed up with my, like, there was this paper we had to do at our, at the end of our first or second year, uh, first year, and then with my uh, proposal. Um, so, so, yeah, that paper was, was second year. She forgot to send it to my committee because I'd had an extension because of all the complications for my hand with my surgeries. Um, and then with my proposal, uh, with my dissertation proposal, she she not reviewed my chapter three, which is the most important. And I had a methodologist on my committee. So um, so that was not a, a fun place to be. But then she lied to me in, in my defense and like in my dissertation proposal defense and said that I passed with I just had to like fix chapter three. And then we had an NSF grant from January until March, and I had defended in December. Um, so end of March or like mid-March, as we were figuring out, like, why aren't you signing my paper? Like I did, like, you're, you're now starting to affect my status in the country as an international student. Like you said, I passed. What is going on? Um, I accidentally found out in a meeting that she had failed me and never told me in my proposal defense so th- things yeah, got nasty so real quick um, yeah. and I stopped working with her and like they actively tried to like so the next day I had a meeting with her and my co-chair and my co-chair didn't even know that that happened she thought that I had passed like she didn't realize like even my co-chair didn't know so it became this thing where the dean who was her friend was trying to protect her So they were not only were they actively trying to silence me, but they were also trying to make it look like I'm the one that made the mistake when it wasn't me. Um, So they they don't like me very much because I (laughs) not stand up for myself. So what is the bigger? I guess we're still on that same bigger lesson, right? What do you wish you knew is I think that that one goes with what I think about when you're a student, you don't really know ways. Right. So if you get stuck under an advisor that is draining, you don't even know that you could go somewhere. Or we talked about this too. Like there are mm-hmm. some schools that have a process, like a formal process for you to switch advisors. And there are schools that not only they don't have it, but they also are going to like look down on you for not being able to complete the thing with this one person. Uh, I've seen both happening in the same school. So I've seen that happen in our school as well. And I've seen it where like, so like that day they gave me the formal process to change. Whereas a friend, my friend had to change uh, because her person was for lack of a better word at that time, insane and just racist. Yeah. I'm going through the same thing. 
I'm going through the same thing with one with a student that I'm not uh, their chair. I'm a mentor to the student. And I, I, you know, every once in a while I'll say, you know, you can change your chair. You could do that. Right. And she feels like that. She feels like that there's something. It's wrong. It's it's there's something wrong with that. It's totally disrespectful. That's how I would feel too. It's but. But there are some yeah. people that will have, you know, I would see the Alia if she knew, she would be like, oh, no, I'm about to go, right? But then you have some other people that will be like, oh, I really, I can't do this. I well, can't, and I can see them. It's complicated because I was discriminated against by some faculty for changing because then they thought I heard their friend who was going up for a tenure uh, review. And then for my friend, for example, who knew from me that there was a policy was told by the program director that there wasn't a policy, right? Some of the things that I'm hearing you all describing, I, I did not experience those in my doc program, but I, I I went to a brick and mortar, but I had four children. I lived 100 miles away, so I wasn't on campus every day, right? Uh, and so I, I tend to stay away from gossip and I don't really engage in all that. And there was that, but I've experienced all the things that you're talking about in my daily work life over the last 40 years in all of the different work situations I have. And so I think the message here is, yeah, this is not heaven. Going to yes. a doc program is That's not heaven. It's not it just because everybody has PhDs that they're going to really just know how to. There do the are bad thing. people yeah. who are students. Anywhere. There are bad people who are chairs and there are good people that are really good. And finding those good people that can support you and yeah. can stand by your side is so critical. And so how do you yeah. do that? When we do those um, IRB trainings, you know, when you... the In the city courses? Yeah, in the city <laughs> courses or those other yeah. ones, right? They always have yeah. a little section there about data honesty, right? And you can see why. It seems like, why would you have to have a conversation about not stealing somebody else's data? Of course you wouldn't steal somebody else's data. I would never do that, right? But because here, it's so common, it it's happens and you, have to, and you need to watch. I mean, even if you're doing the kabuki theater of let's talk about this, you know, let's talk about order of authorship or let's talk about who owns the data or what we're going to do with the data. And um, having those conversations, even if it's with somebody you trust, is a great way of of acting as if we, we probably need to just double check ourselves because, oh, my goodness, that you can get into some really frustrating spots. Yeah, I didn't know much about this, you know, a scooping, scooping data, I think they call it, right? Whenever we were going to a conference and whenever the first time that my, because I had a academic advisor and I had a research advisor. My research advisor does not, if I ask him anything about academics, he said, go ask, go ask him, go ask him, go ask him. And, but anything about research, he's on it, on it. Um, I think that that's another thing that's interesting and I'm kind of, um, going on a tangent, but it's really related, is how close does the advisor has to be? How involved, you know, and you don't know those things. You didn't even know probably that you had to have an advisor. It's really good for you to have it as soon as possible. That's one of the things that I had in mind that I really wanted to say. But like, for example, my advisor was very hands-off and that was great for me. I needed hands-off because I'm very involved in the administrative side of the university too. So I work for IER for several years while I was here. So I'm more like on the admin than being an academic. Uh, all my PhDs uh, friends were purely academic. They are. And we're all coincidentally, I don't think, we're all graduating now, like four of us. Um, and they are very academic. And I've there was competition there too. 
So whenever we're talking about how hands-on, hands-off the, the advisor has to be, you know, it's something that is important also to be talked about or even with the advisor, right? But I cannot even imagine getting to this point if you're a student that just started. Everybody's, they're people. So, so don't be afraid to ask and try to talk, right? I think that that's one of the things that a lot of students don't know, that you could go talk and say, hey, I need a little hands-off. But my friends, they didn't like the hands-off. They, want, they, they would prefer more. So they would, they would um, say, uh, I wish he was, how do you say, ex- uh, not expecting, um, charging me up, but it's not charging me up accountability. I, I wish that he was, you know, um, holding me more accountable. And I'm like, I, he did perfect for me because I'm accountable and I'm busy. So I, it depends on how much you need. And this relationship um, should be dynamic for both, you know, should be uh, flourishing for both sides and not detrimental to one or the other side, right? And I think that when it's students, you have, we have the tendency to just take, 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 because you don't know that you could get out of that situation. Also, that it's okay if you generally are better with hands-on, but if you're going through some stuff and you need more hands-on, then just say like, all right, like this is happening. Just, I need you to hold me accountable. Like I'm getting distracted by like what's happening in like this or like with my family back home or like whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, uh, or like mental health or whatever it is and be like, well, I'm like, <laughs> no, that's a great piece of advice is to, is to think about um, when do you need your, your chair or your advisor or your mentor to fight a fight yeah. for you. And I, yeah. we, and talk, I can, we have a whole yeah. episode on that, Scott, on That's talking right. on communication with your chair. It's so important. We That's can't right. help you if we don't know, you know? And, and sometimes, sometimes the chair is the, it's the, it's right to ask, listen, okay, I got this other person. They're really, they're, they're on my case about this. I've argued. They're not letting it go. I need you to fight this battle for me. And to be able right. to, to have that kind of relationship where you can say, I need, I'm going to fight this battle, but I need you to fight that battle. That's really, really helpful from a, from a chair perspective. Teamwork, teamwork, like a a real, real deal teamwork. And I think that it's funny because it all boils down obviously to quality relationships, right? So if you have, yes, I know, right. It's like, what? Yes. I heard the bells in heaven because we talk about that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I feel like what's important to, and what distinguished it right now, obviously is the hierarchy. And that's important because obviously you will have a lot of PhDs that will make sure that the students feel like they are less than because there is just, I guess, the nature of, uh, I guess, life, right? So when you give the power to people in general, another thing that we talked about too that is important to understand is those people are, they are uh, experts in their area, not necessarily in pedagogy. Yeah, no, I had this conversation just the other day. Do you realize that I know I've had more courses in biology than many biology professors have had in learning theory? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We both had the same job, but yeah, uh, Yeah, but you're right. I mean, maybe you've only had one in biology, but that's more than a lot of If you had one, that's more than, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because if you're a physics or something else, and I'm just picking on one here, you've never been taught how to teach. And there is another one that is even bigger for me because I'm so in the admin and leadership side, because I have an MBA, by the way. I got my PhD in psychology, but I had my MBA too. People also in the admin side don't 
necessarily know how to lead. So if you have very purely academic people that are very good in the books, but they do not know how to have this relationship, you might encounter those yes. uh, situations in which it might be that, for example, the information, as Alia mentioned, can be mis miscommunicated, for example. Yes. So I have a few thoughts on this. Um, in terms of pedagogy, I am horrified and also a little bit entertained, if I'm being honest, uh, about how few people in education actually, especially like, yes, in teacher ed, they get the how to teach. They have the courses. Great. But in master's classes and in PhD, especially if you're switching from a different field, it is fascinating to me how many people that are PhDs that are teaching in education that don't know how to teach. And I taught middle school and high school for like seven years. So like I'd be sitting in class just kind of completely distracted by the incompetence of the human sitting and like teaching the course and not actually gaining any information because they're not saying anything meaningful. It, it's just like, especially that person that I'm thinking about, she was more like thinking out loud. And like, as she's like flipping through her slides, she's like, oh, I don't know why I put that. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that this is a good, going back to that point, right? Because, because people have degrees, it does not mean that you're going to find people that all know how to do all the academic things. So I think that that's an important lesson for students to understand, because if you come in blindly thinking, oh my God, everybody there is just going to be so great on everything. And that that's... Not so just like in anything else, you need to find your fit, right? So if it's not a fit, go 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 find somebody else. But it's hard though. It's really, really hard, and I understand that. Um, and that's why sometimes I even feel a little weird when I'm talking about like advice for, for grad students. And I feel uncomfortable telling people, like, yeah, you should you should do self-care because I didn't. You know, and nobody did. So it's so hard to do it while you're doing it. And that's why everybody talks about it and how important it is, because it gets to a point that you just have to work so hard that because that's the feeling, right? We just talked about competition, accountability and those things. And it truly is a huge time commitment. And this is another thing to talk about. It's 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 not just go to class. And it's over. It's never over. It's always lingering right here. And so I feel like this feeling is one of the ones that we have to be able to navigate in the sense of if it's not working for you, know that you can go ahead and find better alternatives. Um, it's better if you can do it uh, peacefully. It's way better. But sometimes you will have to, to fight your fights for sure, because not everybody will know everything. Okay.